So here we are on the Monday evening with a, a wild card, as we call it, a wild card show. My name is Gijs Winterhouser, located in the town of Los Molinos, California. We are a couple of minutes before the hour. Thank you so much, DBS Radio, for making this possible for this show to be heard worldwide live. It is Winfrey, located in Sedona, Arizona. And his partner, Terry Brown, also located there with him, who have gone through quite an experience in regards to connecting the sources from the other side. If you listen to this, you might be familiar with them or with sources from the other side. If you Google some like channeling, there's quite a bit of information out there. That's how I started in 2009. And if it resonates with you, go deeper into it. See how it feels to you. See if you feel connected with it. And, you know, when you do your research, Halloween, we are live on BBS Radio. Hello to everyone on BBS Radio. And we are doing a conference call that's broadcast. And I'm on. And this is very unusual because we have been communicating with, I call them interdimensional intelligences. And um, would you like to say your name in the city? Hi, Wynn. It's Jeannie and Sympathize. Hi, Jeannie. Hi. What, what's that? Somebody's gurgling. All right. <laughs> Wynn, I think you're a good greeter. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Jeannie. Hey. No, it's and not me. Someone else joined in. Welcome. Please say your name and location. Oh, this is Alicia in Wisconsin. Hi, Alicia. Welcome. That's weird. There is the great gurgler. (laughs) (laughs) I bet they don't know that (laughs) they sound that way. And you can't address anyway. Them you want to come? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. When you want to continue what you were talking about? Well, I couldn't get onto the console. Uh, the console. Oh. 
Good evening. Welcome to the Monday Night Call. Please say name and location. But of course, only if you want to be welcoming. I, I tried three different browsers, and hmm. none of them worked. Okay. Now let's see if this is working. Okay, we had some people checking for conference room. Gina from San Diego, California. Welcome, Gina. I think this is the recording, isn't it? <laughs> I think that was the recording, yes. Do you remember Gina? Also, Hawaii? Yeah, I do. Another dolphin lady. Right. Happy Monday evening. Welcome to the conference call. If you want to please say name and location. This is Terry in Sedona. Welcome, Terry. Hi, Terry. Thank you. Hi. All right. And to all of you listening in online through BBS Radio, happy Monday evening to you. Thank you for being here. Stand by. Good evening. Welcome to the conference call. Please say your name and location. Roger in Austin. Welcome, Roger. Hi, Roger. Hi, everybody. Is Lynn here yet? He, he is. Yep. Hi. Hi, Terry. <laughs> and if you're listening in online through BBS, I want you to know that after this hour, the wild card hour, we go over to a different conference call. Currently, this is a simulcast with a conference call. And <clears throat> that is our, so in the next hour, it is our daily whole planet healing conference call where we gather and put planetary issues into the love light. And it will be broadcast tonight by BBS on this station. So if you're interested, hang in there after the first hour. More people joined in on the conference call. Welcome to you all. If you want to, please say your name and location. Hi, this is Cecil C6 Sir Sea Serpent from Soggy Seattle. Welcome, <laughs> Cecil. Hi. Hi, Terry. Hey. Hi, Cecil. Well. Hi guys. Terry Nevada. Welcome, Terry. Thank you. 
And welcome to the next caller. Please say your name and location. Hi, it's Bonnie in California. Good Hi, evening, Bonnie. Bonnie. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, guys. <laughs> okay. Let's get started. All right. Muted. Here right now. So let's start the recording. It is today, December the 13th. Here we go. The recording has started. This is December the 13th. 2021, Wynn and Terry in Sedona, everybody everywhere. And this is our Monday night wildcard night. And as those of you on the line know, that on these calls, we are kind of using conference calls in a very unusual way. And we were doing something pretty unusual. And I didn't know how to do it. You know, it's not a church. It's not even an official organization. But it is... Um, a group which has assembled itself. During the times we were on, were on these calls, with the purpose of, first of all, part of the group is those of us on the call. And the other part of the group is not on this side. It's in another dimension, and it's they're invisible to us, but they've identified themselves as two different group souls, the Elohim group and the Ra group. And we've learned, but you can't believe this the first time you hear it, but we have learned that both of these group souls have done various interventions in our realm, or maybe it's called intercessions. And they have been interpreted as God. And one of the reasons is that miracles happen around them. And another one is people can feel their energy. And they're very loving. And if you tune into it, you can feel a sense of love. And that creates a lot of, shall I say, devotion from many people who don't have enough love in their life. 
the idea that you can feel a sense of love and being cared for by intelligences in other dimensions is a pretty amazing experience. And when people are discovering us at first, they can dismiss it like we're we're a cult or a bunch of believers. And the people that have been coming to our calls regularly, it's proven itself to them that it's real. Now, this is our wild card night, and I don't even know what we're going to do. <laughs> I was having trouble getting into our console, and I was going to do a replay of something, and I was spending 20 minutes trying to get into the console to organize the replay. Now I'm in the console, and uh, I'm thinking, what should I do now? And I said, maybe I'll put, I'll play some songs that I wrote. But it's it's a little off topic, even though I'm a really good songwriter. Now, just a moment. I'm still not on the console. I'm on the wrong console, I think. All right. Okay, I found a good replay. And I'll just start this with a short story. Some years ago, probably around... seven years ago, Terry and I were at a conference in Sedona, and Terry was sitting at a table in the hotel restaurant with these two people, and I sat down with them, and there was this older man in a wheelchair, and it was his caregiver. And he was very astute, and we started talking, and we kind of got into an argument about something metaphysical. And, and then we left the lunchroom, and I was giving a, a workshop there. And so I went to the workshop and was doing my workshop. And this man who was arguing with, with me was, showed up at the workshop. And he was sitting in the back of the workshop in his wheelchair. And while I was doing the workshop, he was kind of glowing or radiating. And I felt a lot of loving energy from him. And and he seemed to be tracking me on the workshop. So I went up to him 
and I, and he lived in Phoenix, which is about a hundred miles from Sedona. And I told him, "Listen, I'll keep in touch with you if you want." And he gave me his phone number. And so, over the next few months, I called him occasionally. We just had conversations, and I don't even remember what about. And then I had occasion to be in Phoenix, and I went to his house. And we're sitting at his dining room table, and there was a book on his table called The Man Who Walked With Jesus that he wrote. And I picked it up, and I started summing through it. And... I remember my thoughts. The first thought was, this guy has a really good imagination because he's writing the story of Jesus through the eyes of Matthew, who was probably one of Jesus's most recognized disciples. And, you know, Jesus walked around, and of course, everybody knows the story of Jesus, and was doing all these miracles, and he had 12 guys walking with him, and, um, and, 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 uh, Matthew, they were all taking notes of everything that happened. He had instructed them to take notes, and, and these notes that they took became the books of the the New Testament. The book of Matthew, the book of this person, the book of that person. And, uh, and as I'm reading through the book, summing through it, I started to get an energy, a vibration. And I recognized the energy. And I recognized it was the Christ consciousness energy. And I've had enough experience of feeling that. And even feeling it through books that I didn't know what it was, but I knew I could feel it. And some of you might be feeling it as I'm talking. And I'm not doing that. It's an energy that works through us, that comes from higher dimensions when people are gathered together in a spiritual way. You feel it? There it is. So, in any case, I looked at him and I told him, you were Matthew, weren't you? And he looked at the floor, somewhat ashamed, and said, yes. Now, I didn't quite believe him then, but I said, I'm going to pursue this. And so, um, I was curious why he looked down at the floor ashamed when I brought it up. He told me the story that he was... an holistic doctor in this lifetime. 
and he was fairly good reputation. And um, Jesus came to him and told him that he was one of his disciples, and he wanted him to write the book about it. And he did. And apparently, Jesus helped him. And he said he wanted the book not to be like biblical, but more like the real story of what happened. And he went through all of the things that um, Jesus did, or many of them, and told the inside story and revealed aspects of Jesus that had never been revealed before. Like, one thing that surprised me is Jesus loved to party. And, and, um, and that, uh, I can't remember now, but when he started talking about this to his doctor peers, they kind of rejected him, thought he was off his rocker. So he had printed about 800 of these books. They were sitting in his closet. And I told him, why don't you come on to my Monday call this week, and we'll talk about it. Now, I didn't know what was going to happen. And I was not going to introduce him as the reincarnation of Matthew. I was going to say, he thinks he's the reincarnation of Matthew. And I'm going to play that talk. I think this is, I hope I'm playing the right thing. He, he, he became a regular on our calls, and uh, there was somebody that took the book and was going to Uganda, who was a teacher there, and she was having a study group on the book. And there's another gentleman who was from Massachusetts who had a pizza parlor. And he started doing a Saturday call studying the book. And many people have been inspired by this book. And if you want to get it, we have a PDF available of it. He, Terry passed away a few years ago. After about being coming to our calls for five years, even Carla Rucker loved him. And um, she told me she and Jim were reading a book on the, when they, they would do meditation sessions every, I don't remember how, however so often. And they would read excerpts from the book. And you're going to get a chance to hear Terry now. And at the end of the call, something happened which convinced me that he was really Matthew. And I'll tell you what it, what it was. So when it comes up, you can take note of it. I had a gentleman who... I used to follow years ago. I used to go to his talks in Los Angeles. 
And when I used to go to his talks, I experienced this energy in the room. And I experienced my energy shifting during the talk. Like I would be going and I would be all kind of wired up and tense. And and by the time it was finished, all of this stuff disappeared from my body. And I felt this sense of freedom that was not normal for me at that time. And he used to say, he didn't say it very much. This was not a big thing. He said it usually privately, but everyone that was going to his group knew it, that he was the reincarnation of John the Beloved. And, um, and of course, that was another disciple of Jesus. And after a number of years, he had a big scandal in his group because it came to light that he had these assistants that were working with him, and he was having sex with them. And people had the idea that he wasn't having sex. And, and, um, and when I was talking to Terry, at the end of our talk, I asked him, about which disciples were his friends. And I don't even remember how he answered, but then I asked him, and how about John the Beloved? And he said, John the Beloved was a homosexual, but he never bothered us with it. And I just blew my mind at that point because... For me, that convinced me that Terry really had to have been Matthew, and this other guy had to have been John the Beloved. And and I learned so much from this about Jesus and about the Christ energy. And of course, we have taken it to another step on the work we're doing, and I'm not going to go into that on this call, and those of you who are regulars probably know what I'm talking about. But we do have the Christ energy on this call and on on all of our calls. And I'm not doing that. It comes from the sixth density. It's a matrix that the Ra Group administrates. And on that case, this looks like it's 55 minutes long, and I shouldn't have talked so long. And some of you have heard this before, but I don't think you'll mind hearing it again. So I hope this plays. Here we go. Men, be aware we have to come open. Uh, Thank you all for being here. It is Monday, August 24, 2015. Gwen isn't here tonight, he's preparing for George Norrie, and we will have a replay from a call back in 2013, that was November. All right, all right, the lines are still open. Uh, Thank you all for being here, it is Monday the...
All right, the lines are still open. Uh, thank you all for being here. It is Monday, the August the 24, 2015. Wynn isn't here tonight. He's preparing for George Norrie. And we... All right, the lines are still open. Uh, thank you all for being here. It is Monday, the August the 24, 2015. And he was one of the people, maybe the only person, I don't know, but one of the people that helped Gary Young start his company called Young Living Oils, which is a multi-million dollar, multi-level company, which many alternative health practitioners use his products. You're nothing but a scribe, Mr. That's all right. I love to be a scribe. Uh-huh. Okay, excuse me, I just jumped forward so we get to where Terry is talking, and he just said, I love to be a scribe, and here we go. So you were writing all those things down, and then you put them in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, you know what? We're gonna, I, I tell people, we're not going to believe that Terry was Matthew. We don't believe anything. We don't believe anything. We look for resonance. So we're going to find out tonight his story of how he feels connected to Matthew. And if he was, he was responsible for bringing forth some of Jesus's greatest messages in the Gospel of Matthew. Am I right, Terry? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, as I was reading the book, I found out that you were a tax collector, and that's correct. And Jesus discovered you, and said, "Give up everything and come with me." And you did it, <laughs> or Matthew did it. And um, is that in the Bible that Matthew was a tax collector? Yes, it is. Tell why don't we start out by having you share, like, how you made this connection to Matthew. Sure, why not? Um, I was a practicing physician for the last 30 years. I was a medical doctor located in Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, I must say my life has been very, very unique in that I've had many unique experiences and uh, many, many, I've got an opportunity to go to many, many countries and do a lot of traveling as well. So I've had a very rare chance to be, I'd say, uh, educated just as Yeshua, I call him Yeshua because we all spoke Aramaic at that time. We did not speak Hebrew or any other language, uh, we uh, basically spoke a tongue that is almost uh, unknown now. It's, it's called Aramaic. And uh, uh, basically, uh, having done this, I uh, decided that uh, being an author is much more fun than practicing medicine all day long. So. Uh, when I received a calling from him in 1995, he appeared to me and asked me if I would write a book about the true life that he expressed 2,000 years ago. 
Now, I've always been a Christian, and um, besides, I'm an elder in the church, and uh, Presbyterian, as a matter of fact, and uh, but never, uh, I felt very connected to him, but still, I had no knowledge how deep this connection went. But when he appeared to me in 1995 and asked me to write a book about his life, I said, well, I'm very honored and humbled about your request. However, I must say I don't know anything about your life except what I've read in the New Testament. He promptly said, you will remember. He said, on top of that, I will download while you sleep my whole life before your eyes, and you're uh, asked by me to please write this down. I said, well, then I'm just a scribe. He said, that's correct. He said, that's a big job. I said, I agree. I shall take on the task. But at that time, I still had a medical practice in Scottsdale, Arizona, so things went very slow. So after I retired in 97... Excuse me, Kelly, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, and that is, when you have this vision of Jesus, yeah. can you share, like, was it a voice in your head? Did you see, do you have a vision of seeing him? How were you sure that it was actually Jesus, if well, you were? You know, um, even though I'm uh, analytical in my, my daily life, I still let my heart lead me. And I knew immediately, nobody had to tell me. I knew I had a feeling. I heard him. He was talking to me, just like you're talking to me now, when he's talking to me quite loudly. And this hasn't been the first time either. I've had that when I went to Egypt uh, in 92. However, he spoke to me very clearly and distinctly that you will remember, you will remember and I had uh, not the time at that time to complete the book. So it took me seven years to write this book about his life. And he, during that time, I spoke to him frequently. He would call me Matai. I said, where does that come from? He said, that's the Aramaic name of Matthew. So he felt, constantly said to me, you were Matai, period. I said, yeah, I might have been asked, but I don't think I was really him. Yes, you were him. So I accepted his words and wrote this book about, from my perspective, as Matai. And as I said, the sixth disciple, and I remembered meeting him when five, him and five disciples came to a small town in uh, by Nazareth, uh, we came into the roadway there, and I immediately caught my attention. So I began to get close to him and learn more about him. But I indeed was a tax collector, and I was very much a had a Roman heart. I liked the way the Romans lived. They had a very, uh, very well educated. And a very, uh, you might say, a few of a lot of countries, they would conquer the countries and then bring back much of the culture that they 
had learned from those countries. So I kind of I kind of put myself on their side and spent a lot of my time in, in Rome. However, once he asked me to join him, my whole life changed. So uh, the, the book got really going when I retired in 1997 from my medical practice. I could devote to full-time my creating this book. Uh, I must say that a big part of that was having purchased a beautiful uh, cottage in, uh, in the city, up the northern, northern city of, of Colorado, where I moved after I retired. And there, by the creek, I had my days cut out for me. Uh, during the night, the information was downloaded to me. In the morning, I would get up and write for hours and then uh, walk in the national forest up there. It's, it's the beautiful mountains of Colorado. In Col- in Col- what city in Colorado? That was in the city of, oh, God, I'm losing my thought now. Sorry. I'll tell you in a minute. Anyway, but don't me, worry. Don't worry about it. It's not important. Estes Park. It's called Estes Park. Park, P-A-R-K. It's a resort city up there. And uh, we bought a wonderful house there along the river near downtown Estes Park. And I used to spend weeks on end up there, uh, essentially by myself, creating this book. Now, when when you got the downloads from Jesus, did it wake up memories in you? Like, did you say, yes, I, I know that? Little by little it did. Mm-hmm. But the major thing that woke up my memories was actually writing the book. Mm-hmm. The first chapter is devoted to my first meeting of Yeshua. Mm-hmm. Five uh, motley crew. And, of course, I consider myself more sophisticated and worldly, having spent most of my time in Rome, uh, but coming back to this town of Nazareth and collecting taxes and so forth. But I was very much aligned with the the Roman concepts, the Roman ideas, and considered myself one of the better educated of of the disciples. Now, Jesus did this with all his disciples. He would just walk up to them and say, said, uh, you're supposed to come with me, right? And then they just went along, right? Well, some did, some was hesitant at first, but eventually joined the crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't spontaneous for everyone. I think, I think it was uh, one, of the, one of my brothers. Thomas, who said something like, well, I've got to go bury my parents or whatever it was. And Yatcha said something to the effect, let the dead bury the dead. Come with me now. Mm -hmm. You know, um, one of the things that 
was striking when I started thumbing through your book. And by the way, it's called The Man Who Walked with Jesus. Is it available on Amazon, Terry? Yes, it is. It's available on Amazon. It's also available in my website, which is Dr. Friedman Essential Oils dot com that now my last is spelled F R I E D M A N N two N's in that but that's it Dr Freeman Essential Oils dot com okay so go to uh, go to uh, Amazon or Barnes and Noble has some of my books but not all of them but that one I know is in Amazon and you can get it on my website. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it seemed to me as I was thumbing through your book that Jesus kind of liked the party. <laughs> he did. Right? He's a very lighthearted guy. He, he performed yeah. yoga every day, loved yoga, and he ate very, very smartly and very healthily and tried to get us to join him. And, of course, we were on the road a lot with him, so we basically ate what he ate. Mm-hmm. He was a very light-handed light-hearted man, and a very human man, I must say. hmm And you were there when he turned water into wine, right? I hadn't joined yet. No, I didn't see that, that part of You didn't of see life. that. But he was uh, dancing pretty wildly there and then at the wedding party, and then the, uh, the uh, master was putting on the wedding party. Uh, Actually, said we're running low on land on, on wine. We've got many more guests than we participated. Participated, and uh, asked, actually, his Mother Mary that asked him, "Please, son, turn this water into wine." So we did. It was the top quality wine too. I'm not necessarily a wine connoisseur, but I do like wine, and I think that. Uh, my understanding is it was a good, good grade of wine. He didn't. He didn't. When I read your, when I was reading your book, it sounds like he didn't do it to show off or to do a miracle. It's because they needed wine, right? In fact, he was reluctant to reveal himself. Yeah. It was yeah. his mother that pushed him. Hmm. How about were you, were you there for any of the other miracles that happened? Almost everyone after that, that was on the very early uh, time of his life on this earth. And uh, But for the rest of the time, I was pretty much involved. Mm-hmm. What is it, do you think, that Jesus, uh, about Jesus, that no one knows about, that you have some memory of, that would be neat for people to hear? Uh, I think you hit it on the nail there, that he was a uh, he was really a, a guy who loved life, who played tricks on his on dear mother, and uh, he was a little bit of a. And by the way, he never liked carpentry. Never got involved in carpentry. It's mentioned by in the Bible. Mentioned somewhere. And it's believed by many Christians that he was a real carpenter. He never liked carpentry. He just didn't feel drawn to it. He thought his work was higher than that, in the sense of spiritually 
message he had to bring to to the world. So mm-hmm. uh, it was his brother John who uh, worked with his father in the carpenter shop. The other thing was Jesus was not poor. His uh, great uncle was Joseph Arimathea, and Joseph Arimathea was a wealthy, wealthy trader who sailed his ships around the ocean and uh, to India, to uh, England, Scotland, in fact, to the United States, and uh, uh, traded with all types of people, and he got to know a, a lot of these countries quite well. In fact, the big thing was when uh, Jesus reached 12 years of age, he went with his uncle, Joseph Arimathea, and uh, became a deckhand and learned to be a man and a sailor all at once, but learned along the line about people throughout the world that was known at that time, which included, as they say, India. He learned many things from going to India, as well as going to Tintagel in uh, northern England, going to the visit the native um, Indians in uh, Mexico at that time. So a lot of these things he had found out from the wonderful education that could only be given to him by his wealthy uncle. So he wasn't poor by any means, but he left him very was in a very humble life and never was much for luxuries. Mm-hmm. And now, when, when Jesus and his disciples were tromping around, was um, Joseph of Arimathea putting the bills? Or were, you know, like, like they obviously had to eat and sleep somewhere. Were people taking care of them, or were they staying in the motels of the time? <laughs> no, a lot of times we slept out under a tree outside. And don't forget, uh, this part of Israel was a very uh, good climate. We occasionally saw snow, but that was pretty rare. It was only at the higher altitudes. But mostly people were very kindly and accepted us and took us in and fed us and things like that. If not, we did with what we had. Dried, dried fish, we were around the uh, sea, sea of Galilee for quite a long time, which we were able to get abundant fish from that area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I should see if Terry, you know, you, you know, the work that we're doing has a connection to Jesus. And part of the connection is that we believe, I mean, there's a huge amount of evidence to this, I don't know if you looked at it, but that Terry was. Are you familiar with Saint Catherine of Siena? I heard of her. Yes, I'm not that familiar with it, but I have heard of her. Yes, absolutely. Here's the story. Saint Catherine was uh, was a young woman in Siena, Italy, and she would go into the local church 
and they would write down everything she said because they thought God was speaking to them through her. Yeah. And uh, apparently she was talking to Jesus because Jesus um, um, said, you're now my... Well, maybe, Terry, you want to share that part? Hello, Terry, are you on mute? Let's see. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. I hear you. Okay. Well, I remember... This is what I remember. Uh, I remember the feeling of being married uh, and having the feeling of a wedding ring and that I was married uh, to a father, son, and the Holy Ghost. And uh, that uh, that's where I made my commitments rather than in a worldly marriage. I thought that I was married to a father, son, and the Holy Ghost. Um, I have other memories of that life, too. And the thing with memories, as you have mentioned, like as you wrote the book, you remembered more and more the things that I found is that I remember more and more as time goes by. Yes. Not only that, before I published this book in 2002, I decided to go on a trip to Israel and see for myself the places that we had visited and see what it's like today. And I did do that. And that brought things to a real uh foundation or meaning to me because uh I saw things as they are today and then I remembered more things of how they were before when I actually saw uh uh Peter's house and so on and so forth, which is said to still be standing. So when I saw those things and and uh, sailed on the Sea of Galilee it opened up a lot to me, and my memory came back a lot quicker at that time. So right before I finished the book, I did include that as the final chapter. So that really made a big difference to bring everything uh, to to me at that time. Meeting, meeting some uh, herdsmen who spoke, who lived in the uh, spoke Aramaic and lived in the tent of skins of animals and, and went, went around the villages and went throughout the country feeding their animals. This also uh, helped me gain a lot of knowledge about the language and much of my work at that time or play if you want to look at you. We were more serious than he was, I think. <laughs> uh, he had his handful teaching these 12 dumb guys about life, I think, and what it was all about, because we were certainly going against the grain when we began to discuss these things. Now, I remember when he brought Judas on, you weren't too pleased with Judas, were you? 
No, he's kind of an outsider because most of us were from around northern Israel. We we were from you know from the cities there, uh, Nazareth or whatever. Uh, but Judas was brought in from Jerusalem, and he had a different agenda. God love him, he had one of the toughest jobs there. <laughs> I say that because his idea was, hey, we we can challenge Jesus here publicly, and he'll stand up and break through the bars of the prison and, and show that he is stronger than anything. Well, we can chase the Romans out of our country. We're now occupying the state of Israel. So this was his belief. And uh, he was a very, he was very, very, very defined on that belief that that was the way things were. But he was only one of the twelve of us, and we all had slightly different perspective on things. As I said myself, I was kind of aligned with the Roman Empire, so that didn't that didn't interest me at all. What his ideas were. I've read this story before about Judas because normally it's historically he's thought of as the guy that betrayed Jesus for silver. But in fact, I've heard two other stories. One was that he wanted to put Jesus on the line so Jesus would stand up and and the whole world would recognize him, um, which is what you're saying. And and the, uh, the other was that Jesus, in fact, wanted this to happen because it was a way that he would reach people. You know? yeah. Well, that is unique about him, that he, that he was crucified, ascended, and uh, quite different than the other. Because, you know, death by the, the cross was quite, uh, quite common in that day. Uh, it wasn't just the, the three people on the hill overlooking Jerusalem. A lot of people were crucified. If they, if they try to challenge the conquerors, the Romans, they were put to death uh, in a very painful way, hung on the cross. So being on the cross is not particularly fun, but it certainly wasn't uncommon. And uh, Jesus kept telling me today, that. Whatever you do, take me down from that cross. I don't want to be up there. I don't want to be known as the guy on the cross. I want to be known for the message I brought to the world, which is we are all one. We are all children of God. And that's the important thing. Not not the message that he was uh, he died on the cross to save our sins. He didn't know. I didn't say save your sins. I'm not. Your sins, I'm, I'm your servant. He's told me that many times. I am your servant. I'm not here to save you from yourself or the things you do. You can, you have to deal with that. I'm here as your servant to help you see things more clearly. Wow. That's beautiful. Hey, you... <laughs> Are you coming up with any questions? Well, you were there after he he, he was on 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 the cross, and yeah. then you were there after he appeared resurrected. 
Am I right? That's correct. And it took him about uh, about six days, five or six days to ascend completely. Uh, mm-hmm. He was put in the tomb of that uh, his great uncle Joseph Veramathia, uh had saved that tomb, and he was placed in there. And then, obviously, uh, he came down. He came down out of that tomb. He had the shroud still around him. The shroud of Turin is actual the factual shroud that he wore, and eventually that truth will be brought out. Right now, there's some controversy of the people that, that have control of that shroud. And by the way, there's two pieces. There's the facial shroud, and then there's the body shroud. So he uh, he basically claimed to me that is my correct shroud, and you'll find when your analysis gets improved, you'll find evidence of the frankincense oil still on that shroud that he was prepared at death with by the Marys. Mm-hmm. The Mary and his, his twin flame, Mary Magdalene. Or Mary you know, Magdalene. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to tell everybody, if they're not aware of it, the Shroud of Turin actually exists right now, and that there's a image on it of Jesus that's kind of burned into the shroud, and this controversy about, this is what Terry was talking about, um, whether that's actually Jesus or somebody faked it or something like that. But you can look it up, Shroud of Turin, and, um, and read about it. And Terry, Terry, who are, who are you, who are your favorite disciples? Who are your friends? Oh, golly. Or Ma- Matthew's friends. Yeah, Matthew. Oh. Well, actually, it's enough, I didn't manage to make friends with Judas. I, 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 one thing about him, he was a little uh, anti-Roman, but I, I learned that he was very educated, one of the most educated than myself, and uh, I did like him quite a bit. Uh, Thomas was a good friend of mine, and still is. Uh, he's you, know him, you, know him this, you know him this lifetime? Yeah, but he came in, uh, he came in a um, female body this lifetime. Mm-hmm. And that was a good friend of mine then, and as groups, we stuck together, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Which often happens. We kind of come back how, together. How, how about John the Beloved? Uh, honestly, because he was homosexual, we kind of liked, we didn't like his feminine ways. In fact, in the, in the painting of the, uh, the Last Supper, he's sitting next to Yeshua. He looks very feminine. He was very feminine, but he's really a good guy. And uh, Mary uh, was introduced uh, to him by Jesus when he was on the cross, saying, Mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. He knew that he could trust John. So what he did, he took 
when things got tough after his uh, after his crucifixion, he took her to uh, Turkey and uh, went to the city of Ephesus in Turkey and uh, got a place for her on the mountaintop overlooking Ephesus. Ephesus used to be a, a Roman uh, city in Turkey, a seacoast, that was eventually silted in and uh, is abandoned now today. But they're finding lots of uh, interesting things in their library there, and they've only about 3 to 5% uncovered by archaeological digs, but a very marvelous uh, finding of, of this li- lifetime when a lot of people respected Ephesus. But he put her in a mountaintop retreat above Ephesus, looking down over Ephesus, if she could go down when she needed supplies. And uh, that's where she was the last eight years of her life. So John the, John the Beloved was gay, but that's not in the Bible, is it? <laughs> no, none of us put him there. But he did, and, I will say this, he did not practice. He did not practice it. He was, mm-hmm. he was really, uh, he was committed to Jeshua's, Yeshua's, uh, you know, uh, his, his, needing to get the word out, the message out through the healing. When we went around the country doing our healing, doing our our work in the villages, where we were generally well-received by the people at that time. But we also had, at times, a very large entourage with us of people who were looking after us and making sure we had everything right and everything was cooked properly and just the way that Yeshua liked it. And the times we did not spend in the house at night, we had the, the company of all these wonderful people who followed us wherever we went. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you a story that years ago I had a teacher that I was very influenced by. Um, I would say he was the the best. You know, at one period of my life, I was going to yogis and masters and gurus and reading everything. And this one guy was awesome. He would give a talk, and I could feel the energy land in the room. And... I could feel my depressions going away. I could feel there was something in his presence. And I think I had that experience with him. And, in, you know, in recent times, I show up and do things, and people feel similar energy as I felt around this guy. Yeah. And um, he was like a role model. Uh, he, he, uh, he, um, and he used to say that he was John the Beloved, okay? And, um, I used to think maybe he was because of his ability to bring in this wonderful energy into the space. 
And probably about 12 years into his work, 12 or 15, I don't remember, he got into deep doo-doo because it came out that he was having relationships with the four guys that were his his assistants. And they all got mad at him. Yeah. And so it's very interesting that you said John the Beloved was gay. It was really interesting because I don't think anyone really... Well, there are people, if, if you look at the Internet, there's people that mention it. And then some people say they thought that Jesus was having a connection with John the Beloved. But um, nonetheless, that this guy was awesome in his ability to transmute spirit and bring it into the room. I don't want to say who he is because I don't want to... His work got very damaged because of this gay thing that came out. And um, and a lot of people left him because of it. And um, But it's very interesting that um, you mentioned that. Boy, we kind of made fun. We made fun of John because he was kind of naive, and you know. But he would he would do anything he could to help Jesus in his in his uh, work. So. Okay, we better stop because we have to go to Whole Planet Healing. Um, God, I never get tired of hearing that show. And, uh, <laughs> This is a good recording, and, and you can really clear uh, uh, hear him clearly to Dr. Friedman. That's so nice. Yeah. And, um, I mean, we have a lot of shows we did with him after that, and particularly after I was convinced with that whole thing about John the Beloved. And uh, it's amazing because he can, he can talk about the his experience with Jesus, like he was there, you could tell when he was talking. He talked about many. We're gonna things. start in, within two minutes at Hope Land Healing. Okay, and I just want to tell you that the book, the PDF of the man who walked with Jesus, is I put up a website for it at the time, which I think is still up. It's called Man Who Walked, one word, manwhowalked.com. And you can get the PDF for um, a donation, okay? It, it's listed as $12, and if you want to support the work we're doing, spend as much as you can. But otherwise, make, make a donation, because if you have been influenced by Jesus in your life, it's a fascinating story, and even if you haven't been influenced by Jesus, it's it's an amazing story. So unmuted. Yeah, hey, I'm just curious. How many of you heard that for the first time tonight? First time. The first time. Yep. Okay. Anybody? Anybody else? I've heard it several times, but it remains very interesting. Yeah. It's it's always like the first time I hear it, you know? Right, 
Right. And it, it was just mind-blowing when we did it. So thank you for being here. We're going over the whole planet healing. If you're on BBS radio, just stay on the line. Don't touch that dial, and uh, we'll see you in a minute. We're going to transfer to a different conference call. This session is no longer being recorded. Goodbye. Hope Planet Healing, would you like to say your name and location? You're live on BBS. Yay. Hello. Hello, everybody on BBS, and welcome to Hope Planet Healing. Welcome to Hope Planet Healing. Would you like to say your name and location? Roger and Austin. Hi, Roger. Hi, Jeannie. Hi, Roger. Hi, Roger. Hi, Jeannie. Hello, BBS. Hi, hi. Hope Planet Healing. Healing the planet one day at a time. That's right. Yes. Welcome to Hope Planet Healing. Would you like to say your name and location? But only if you want to. Everybody is here. It's 706. Jackie, are you present? Yes. Is it a negative? She, wait, Jackie, did I hear Jackie? No, I did not hear Jackie. Okay, okay, let me wait for when. Welcome to Whole Planet Healing. Would you like to say your name and location? Pauline, New York. Hi, Pauline. Hi, Pauline. Hi, Pauline. And the next caller, would you like to say your name and location? Hello, Antonio. It's Jackie from Julian. <laughs> yes, Jackie. Hey, we... Hello. Okay, Jackie's here. Hi, Jackie. Okay, Jackie, yes. are, are you Hi, ready Jackie. for this? I'm going to mute the phone lines and come back out. Muted. Uh, I'm unmuted. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jackie. I love you, honey. Here we go. Thank the you. recording has started. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Today is Monday, December 13 of 2021. I'm Jackie from Julian, California. Welcome to the Whole Planet Healing Conference Call. And today is a special day because we get to share this call with our BBS radio listeners. And I was running late because I was listening to that fascinating interview uh, from 2015 was the replay. And uh, I hope you all enjoyed it. But because it wasn't a normal call, I'm going to review what this call is about. If you are new to this work, I'll briefly review how the Whole Planet Healing Call began over 15 years ago and evolved from an experiment that Winfrey initiated with the encouragement of positive interdimensional beings who contacted him some 20 years ago. And these energy beings have formed an interdimensional partnership that continues to this day, utilizing the communication skills of Wynn's partner, Terry Brown. Now, this is an open call, the whole planet healing call, but those who consistently come into this call are driven to be of service and want to make this world a better place. 
So today and every evening, this call involves a collaboration of all of you who have joined us tonight, or even if you are listening to a future replay, and our sources. These sources have indicated that they are adding their energy to our request for healing, primarily the planet, but also for the people, places, and situations that concern us, while always keeping in mind, of course, that the principle of the highest and greatest good of all be observed. So let's begin with our usual suggestions of letting go of any distractions, get comfortable, relaxed, centered, grounded, and let's welcome Cecil from near Seattle, Washington, who will recite our invocation requesting energetic protection for ourselves, this call, and this work, along with a shielding from any negative interference. Cecil? Thank you, Jackie. Father, Mother God, the one infinite creator, we ask for the presence of the light to surround and protect everyone in attendance, including those on BBS radio, and any negativity be taken to the highest realms of light and be transmuted for the highest and greatest good of all concerned. We see ourselves in the flow of energy radiating from the center of the universe through the galaxy, through our galaxy, the Milky Way, through our solar system, through the outer energy fields of planet Earth, through our bodies, and into the center of the Earth. Right now, we invoke a group energy connection with all those present who are open to do so while maintaining the sovereign integrity of our souls. We invite those sources who are positive service to others, honoring the law of one, to join with us. We create a protected space that only the positive has access to. Anything not of that nature must leave now. Back to you, Jackie. Thank you so much, Cecil. Well, every night on this particular call, we are joined by Winfrey and Terry Brown, and um, they always take a couple of minutes to share some of their thoughts with us. So, Win, are you available? Here I am. Well, if you listen to our 6 o'clock call, we did the replay of Terry Friedman from 2015. And uh, I'm still totally engaged when I listen to that call. Terry was the, uh, if you weren't on that earlier call, I am sure he's the reincarnation of uh, Jesus' disciple, Matthew. And he remembers it, and he talks about it. But he doesn't talk about it in 
you know, a traditional religious sense. He talks about it like someone that was really there. And it'll it'll go up on the spiritchannel.net, or it's on the replay. It's also on BBS's archives, probably in an hour or so. And um, I just recommend anyone who was influenced by Jesus in this life, whether it's religious or just theological, you'll find that call really fascinating. And we have many more calls that we did with him. That was the very first call. And we did many more calls we did with him after that. And of course, Jesus was working with the Christ energy. And the Christ energy is um, also on our calls, if you can feel it. There's an energy on the call that comes in from the sixth density that's administered by the Ra group. And that we're doing these calls because we've had all these conversations with these two group souls who have played huge parts in the evolution of humanity. And they're doing it with us. And I think one of the main reasons to come to this call, two reasons. One is they honor free will and they can do interventions. And we this call is based on asking them for their interventions. And the second reason is that being on the call opens you up to these energies of the higher realms and can increase your ability to connect with the higher realms and connect with um, universal love and connect with loving yourself and feeling like you're doing something because everyone on this call is part of the creation of this energy. And of course, we're doing these calls because Terry Brown is able to bring through these messages and has done so for years now in a phenomenal sense of service. And uh, she's going to say hello to you now. Hi, everybody. Yeah, I remember Cherry Friedman, and uh, we were there when he passed away, or just before he passed away. And after uh, he was uh, had been passed away for a little while, um, when asked if we could go find him, and he came in, and uh, his pace was huge. And Terry Friedman looked at me and said, boy, are you ever localized. And that was really interesting. His face had gotten huge. So it was a real honor to have known him. 
and listen to his stories. Um, so we talked about him on the six o'clock call tonight and interviewed him. And we have um, things on the spiritchannel.net. Uh, the six o'clock call would eventually be on the spiritchannel.net and also on BBS Radio. Wonderful to be connected with you all. On to Jackie. Thank you so much, Terry and Wynn. Um, Yes, if you did hear that earlier replay, that's an example of one of thousands of replays that you can get on the spirit channel.net. Most of them, though, are channeled messages from Terry about our Terry, about um, uh, things that are coming through from the Elohim, Ra, and Ra on group with amazing information that is timeless. And someone who knows all about this is Bonnie from Corona, California, because she goes into these archives and other compatible resources, and chooses uh, selections that would be of interest to us. So, Bonnie, what do you have for us this evening? Hi, thank you. Well, I wanted to go along with the theme of the 6 o'clock call, and um, I knew that there was channelings in there regarding uh, Jesus and the Christ consciousness. So I went to the spiritchannel.net, the home page, where there, towards the bottom of the page, there's a little search box. And I typed in the word Jesus, and there is, I don't know how many uh, references to uh, parts of transcripts that refer to Jesus. And so I was able then to choose something to read for you guys tonight. And this particular transcript is of a call that took place October 3rd, 2011. And, uh, of course, it's always in a question and answer format. Uh, and when, during the call, asked it, this question of raw on and ask, uh, maybe you could explain how the raw group works with us, how they decide to delegate an entity or how an entity becomes assigned to a person. Do they go to this person or another person or do they just stay around a particular person or a particular group of people to work with them. And Ra'an through Terry gives us an answer. When we work with an individual and we now speak also as representatives of a Christ consciousness group who responds to requests to the Christ consciousness for assistance, for help, for calming, for the presence of a higher source that can give counsel 
and understanding and can give mainly an energy of fluidity that can help ease whatever it is the individual is working through. The area that you are speaking to is very specialized. And within the raw group, there are very specialized areas. There are councils that speak to others within the raw group and provide assistance and counsel to those individuals. There are specialized groups within the raw group that work and are assigned to certain areas, even non-human areas, to provide assistance, planetary assistance, species assistance, assistance with groups that need to be moved, assistance to groups that are stuck. For instance, after Malzec exploded, uh, assistance to stuck individuals to attempt to get them moving again. And when asked on an individual level, if a person is coming into our conference call and they feel the energies coming in and the person goes into their own silent, silent meditation and says, I am open for help. Is that something the raw group responds to and raw on answers? If it is directed towards the area of the Christ consciousness, whether it is specifically addressed to the Christ consciousness or is addressed in a manner that the Christ consciousness can assist, no matter what the religion, they will be able to come to the assistance of that person. And when asked, um, oh, I'm sorry, they, they go on further and they say if a person is requesting, for instance, a transition in the area of death, it may be an angelic group that is a subset of all that is that is assigned by the heavenly group to move in to assist the person if that person's in transition. It is then given to the channel, to the proper entity or group that can provide a specific assistance in the best manner that the person needs. When? When you say angelic group, does that mean more connected to the Elohim or perhaps to the Elohim perhaps than the raw group for the death transition? Raw on, that is even more even to the angelic group, which is not the Elohim group and not the raw group, but is another group that interfaces with individuals in the earth plane. When you, when, when you use the word Christ consciousness, many people identify that with the entity Jesus. Can you explain from your level a little more exactly what the Christ consciousness is? Ra'an, the Christ consciousness is a specific 
as the word says, consciousness, it is composed of many beings. It is dense and it is fluid and it is loving and it is in a certain frequency band. It is this very fluid, loving blanket that can respond to requests for healing, for purification, for providing a loving surrounding, loving assistance and caring. One can summon it by a request. And when two or more people are gathered in the name of Christ consciousness, they provide an anchoring so that there can be In the case of two or more, a triangulation where the reflection can reflect in the consciousness of those present, the Christ consciousness in each of the two individuals. If there are more individuals, then there can be a magnification and a reflection of the Christ consciousness energy, which can magnify its effect. It is a band of individuals working together in a specifically formatted formation that can work to purify, to eliminate guilt for those that are open and ready to bring relief to an individual and open them up for new life experience and to forgive and dispense with past karma and guilt and can help an individual forgive themselves or others. And there is certainly more in this specifically in this specific call on this subject. So I I recommend to anyone who's interested to go to the spiritchannel.net and check out the archives. I'm going to turn it back to you, Jackie. I love you all. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bonnie. And I love how you coordinate your reading often to whatever theme is going on at the time. And uh, I wanted to point that out to people when you go to the Spirit Channel. uh, You might be intimidated because there are thousands of channeling, but no, you don't. You can go to the search engine, as Bonnie did, put in a topic of your choice and just start from there. So get on over there, but not just yet, because right now, we are going to join Jennifer from Greensburg, Pennsylvania, who researches the most recent earthquake and volcanic events that are occurring on our planet. Our sources have asked us to stay informed of these current activities, and they've also suggested that we send a very calming, calming energy to any area of concern. So let's join Jennifer as she takes us on a tour of Mother Earth and focus that calming energy to any areas that are too active for us. Jennifer? Thank you, Jackie. 
Tonight, as I usually do, I want to invite Mother Earth to journey with us across the globe. And Mother Earth can increase our intent for calm. We are going to start our journey tonight in Hawaii. And I have to tell you that this is the calmest I have seen Hawaii since we started doing this. Uh, There were only 10 low levels at Pahala today and nothing else. Everything was calm. So let us just send a big dose of continued calm down to Hawaii, the surrounding sea, the undersea volcanoes, the hot spots that Hawaii sits upon, and anything else that might be affecting Hawaii. It's doing well right now. Um, now we're going to move towards the south, thinking down to New Zealand, which it, today we had a 4.1 on the South Island, a 3.5 on the North Island. If you are familiar with New Zealand, it's uh, divided by the Cook Strait. It's two separate islands. And then we move up the northward, the Kermadec French, and we go up to Fiji, where we had a 5.1 and some other fours, and then moving westward over to the Loyalty Islands, or you might know it um, by its other name, New Caledonia area. We had a 5.2 there today. And then over to Papua New Guinea. Now, we're just following the fault line there, and I'm sorry, I don't know what that's called there. We come over to Papua New Guinea, and we have a 4.9, and they have a volcano that probably is going to erupt within 24 hours. Um, it's called Menom, and I hope I'm saying that correctly. So we send calm to Menom. And then move, moving over to Indonesia, and I just looked at this. We got a 7.6 that occurred in Indonesia, and it must have just occurred. Um so let's just then calm to that 7.6. It's out on the Indonesian crescent, and that is getting pretty high <laughs> in intensity. And then you know that's going to reverberate around the ring of fire. And then we're going to move north to the Philippines, where we had a 5.5, to Japan, where we had a 4.7, to Russia. Where And this isn't the Kamchatsky. This is just a little bit closer to the mainland. We had a 4.4. And then over to Alaska, we had a little bit of activity on the Aleutians, 4.3 and 4.2. And on the mainland, the largest I could find was a 3.1. Moving down through Canada, we had a 3.4 in the southern Yukon Territory. And then moving down into Washington, not much of anything really was going on in Washington today. There was a small um, two, two point, no, I'm sorry, 1.3 at Twisp, Washington. And then moving down through Oregon, nothing reported into California, which it was a very calm day. But I do want us to continue sending these areas that rumble um, <clears throat> calm and that would be the geysers area. And the San Andreas all around, all the way down through uh, Mexicali. But specifically, 
I don't know why, but a couple of people were calling for something to occur in the San Francisco area. So let's just send a little extra added. And I don't like predictions so much, but it can't hurt to just send extra calm to that whole area around San Francisco. And then down through uh, L.A. today in Southern California, you guys just had like really hardly anything going on. Um, 2.1 and 1 point this and that. Um, The largest I found was a 1.9 in Southern California. And then over to the eastern part of the state, it really has calmed down. We still have a little activity at the Walker area. Uh, Long Valley really calmed down today. But, of course, we still want to send, we had a 2.2 there. And then down into Ridgecrest, which really has a calm day today. So kind of get ready. (laughs) It's going to be rocking and rolling after that 7.6. So we're going to continue now down into to um, Mexico, where we have fours all down through Mexico, and Popo Cathy Petal was erupting today. And then right where the Guatemala-Mexico border is, we had a 5.7. So this is all like an uptick of what has been going on. And then down to El Salvador, we had a 4.5, Nicaragua 4.0 and Panama 4.2. And I want to mention uh, the Caribbean. We had a 4.3 in Haiti, and Puerto Rico 3.0, and then we had a 4.4 in the sea near St. Martin, and that's a leeward island, which means it's on the inside. And then we're going to come over back over to South America, we didn't have a tremendous amount today, but we do have um, Peru 4.5, Chile 4.0, Argentina 4.0, um, 4.9, or I'm sorry, 5.4. Um, out offshore, close to Easter Island, but it wasn't on Easter Island. And then there is a big fault line that runs through there. And then we're going to round the southern tip of South America to the South Sandwich Islands, and we had a 4.9. And then moving up the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, I do want to mention Iceland. Um, they have a second volcano that is starting to... It Right now, it's having a glacial flood. And today, there was a 3.5 there. And their volcano is still erupting, so we're going to send, still send calm to Iceland. And then moving south to the Canaries again, um, yesterday, about noon, there was a big explosion of lava, and today it sort of calmed down a little bit, and then today it intensified again. So this volcano is not done. Um, however, the seismic intensity seems to have decreased. The largest that I found today was a 3.0. So let's just continue sending our calm to the canaries. And then moving across Europe, we had two in Spain and Italy. Etna is erupting, and um, it has forged a new path again. It's um, in an area that hadn't overflowed before. And then threes in Greece and Turkey, and threes in Iran, and 3.7 in India. 
And that brings us back over to the point of uh, the Indonesian region. And I want to say thank you to everyone uh, for participating, and I'll send you all back to Jackie. Thank you, Jennifer. Well, in just a few moments, Wynne will take us on his guided visualization where he will address many of the other issues that also concern us. But right now, the phone lines will be unmuted, and you have the opportunity to put your concerns into the light, always keeping in mind that the highest and greatest good for all be considered. If you are listening on BBS radio or to a replay, this is also the right time to put forth your personal concerns into the light. And thank you all for your contributions tonight. Unmuted. I would like to put into our enhancement of all the energies and um, fields and uh, systems operating on our beautiful Mother Earth with a life-giving and life-supporting properties. Thank you so very much. This is Alicia, and I would like to put into the light Sarah's household uh, for help, uh, healing, uh, compassion, common sense, justice, and the area in uh, Hong Kong, that there be justice there. Thank you. This is Kathleen in Bloomfield, Vermont. I would like to put the children in the love light and see them as sovereign beings that are cherished and deeply loved and honored and nurtured and no longer manipulated or coerced or abused in any way nor conditioned to suppress their emotions, feelings, and imaginings and allow them their connection with spirit, soul, spirit source for their maturation into the light. Thank you very much. Joy in Squim, Washington. I'd like to put whoever was affected negatively by the tornadoes in the United States in the light. Thank you. Yeah. This is Jennifer. Um, in Greensburg. Oh, go ahead, Tom. Tom and Jennifer asking for support and protection for Sydney Powell and Michael Lindell and for Mike's symposium and his lawsuit. Thank you. Back to Jennifer. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. This is Jennifer, and I want to put everybody on this call into Love Light for Healing, and that's including those on BBS. And I would like to extend this to our family members, our loved ones, and also our pets that we hold so dear. And I would also like to mention Wynn and Terry, in case them in Love Light Energy to protect them and their health as they continue this work. And also Cecil and Betty, Monica and Larry, Lauren in Washington, Tom in San Jose, White Dove and Willow and Phyllis in Washington, and Joe T in Washington, and Antonio Jr., Antonio Sr. and Abby, Jill in Minnesota and Robert who are both battling COVID. Pius and Kathleen for healing, and I'd like to add myself to this field of energy. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is Jeannie in Citrus Heights. 
I want to put the awakening of the human family into the light. And tonight I'd like to share a few words from a man who recently spoke passionately about this situation that we humans are finding ourselves in these days, facing the deployment of an agenda created by would-be totalitarian rulers. These are the words of Patrick Gentempo, Dr. Patrick Gentempo. Quote, resistance to all this is much greater than the perpetrators counted on. And if you are hearing my words right now, it is likely that you are part of this resistance. And we must resist. The truth is irrepressible, and those who think that they can hide it from you and me forever are fools. Do you realize that when you are armed with truth and knowledge, and you share it, even in the smallest way, you can save a life? Unquote. That was Dr. Patrick Gentempo. And I ask the assistance of the Elohim for all of us in sharing whatever truth we find ourselves armed with. Thank you. Muted. This is Wayne, and thanks to all of you who so eloquently put the issues in the light that you're noticing in the world. And oftentimes, we wonder what we can do. Of course, coming into these calls is one thing. We are making a little difference. And someone sent me something today, which I'm going to send out to the group, my big group, which was a little sticker to put on everything you possess, telephone poles, stoplights, bathroom stalls, and believe it or not, it doesn't seem like you're doing anything. Most of the times when we do things, we like to get feedback. Oh, I touched that person, or I said something and I reached them. But duplicating something like that and having a whole bunch of people doing it is a great idea. It's kind of like it duplicates and duplicates and starts to make a hologram. And uh, what was on the sticker was something about children and um, not forcing children to do things like the vaccine. I don't remember exactly, but it was good. And there's probably more stickers like this. I might even make a couple of um, that would be effective or meaningful. And um, because Patrick and Jeannie both talked about the human family, and there is a human family. And even when you don't feel like you're part of it, you're part of it. And there's a part of us in a higher dimension that is one with everything. And we're going to meet right now on that part and be one with each other. And we're going to invite the Elohim group, the Ra group, 
the Christ Consciousness Group, Mother Earth, the Earth Spirits, the angelic realms, to join with us in helping to increase the effectiveness of our requests, which we understand the principle of the highest good of all concerned and free will, which means um, that just because we say something doesn't mean it's going to happen. But it certainly increases the potential for it to happen. And um, it's very unusual to do something like this because we talk with the groups that are on the call. We talk with them. They explain to us and how it works. We have thousands of conversations and they have proven to me and to many of the people on this call that they really exist. It's hard hard to believe something exists when you can't see it, you can't smell it, you can't feel it, and you can't hear it. But we're lucky enough to hear them through Terry. And uh, if you're listening on BBS and this intrigues you, just be curious. Just because I said it doesn't mean you should believe it. But to be curious of why a bunch of intelligent people, which we are on this call, uh, have come to the conclusion that that's true. And so we take this group energy and we can move it around. We can project it around. It's kind of like remote healing a remote viewing of sending energy to different circumstances on our planet that can use some repair. So we surround our planet with this group energy and we become repeater stations to send the energies of the higher realms down to the Earth realm, to the surface of our planet every square foot of it. And we ask that in those areas where there's something to respond to it and hold it, that that be done. And particularly the humans who are service to others, the children and the young people who have more sensitivity to these energies, but less wisdom. And we ask that as they grow older, they gain the wisdom to be the hope for the future. We go to the animals and the pets, and the pets that play such an important role in helping to keep their owners' hearts open. And we send them this energy. 
you can visualize a dog who is looking at his owner lovingly. And it's so beautiful sometimes to see people walking down the street with their dogs and uh, you can feel the connection. We go to the plant life of our planet. The trees, the bushes, the flowers, the grass, who all anchor light from the higher realms through their bodies and into the earth through their roots. We go to the insects, and particularly the insects that are part of the cycle of nature, cycles of nature, like the bees. And we send them this energy and ask that those species that are important can remain alive. We go to the fish and the sea life and the dolphins and the whales. Now we go through the surface of the earth into the interior of the earth and we connect with the energy field or the soul of Mother Earth. And we send energy down and send healing and repair for the areas where she has been hurt in processing the activities, the emotions of humans, mostly. We send gratitude to Earth for hosting us on our planet because we all exist in the energy field of Earth. And you might be able to feel her energy coming through the floor where you are right now because she sends energy back to us when we do this. We thank her for her cooperation in helping to keep catastrophes limited on the planet. We go to the energy waves that travel through the Earth that terminate in volcanoes and earthquakes and fault lines, potentials, and we send calm energy. We go back to the surface of the Earth, and we go to the earthquake zones, and we we spend a little bit of time on earthquakes on this call, because many people have predicted this is a period for potential catastrophes and earth changes and we want to send energy to see if we can bypass those potentials. So we go to the rim of fire, the land masses surrounding the Pacific Ocean and we send a big U-shaped column of light 
down through that whole huge area and through the ground, touching all the um, fault lines and bringing calm energy. We can mention the uh, Cascadian fault line in the Pacific Northwest and in the Los Angeles area has special attention. We go to the New Madrid fault area, centered in St. Louis and the surrounding states. And we send a column of light hundreds of miles in diameter down through the ground in this whole area, bringing calm energy. And we go to the Mid-Atlantic Fault Line, which runs from the North Pole through Iceland down through the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, as far down as the tip of South America. And we put a longitudinal column of light along this whole faulted area, and we send calm energy. We go to all of the other places on our planet that have potential for earthquakes and volcanoes, and we ask our sources, to help find them and help send this energy to each one of calmness. And any earthquakes and volcanoes that need to occur because the earth is releasing stress, we ask that they can occur gradually and away from population centers. We go to some of the other out-of-balance situations on the planet, starting with the coronavirus. And we ask that it can be rendered harmless. The immune systems of humans, we ask they can be strengthened. Any toxic substances which are in vaccines, we ask to be transmuted. We go to the awareness of humans, and we ask that the awareness of humans about what's going on on our planet and who's doing what can be increased. And the awareness of humans to the existence of positive forces in higher dimensions can be increased. We go to the human suffering and I'm just going to go through it quickly because we got to get off because we're on BBS. We ask that this energy go to humans who are suffering for whatever reason and for the highest good, their suffering can be relieved. We go to drought. 
we ask for rain in all those areas that is running out of water, filling the reservoir, watering the crops, and giving animals ways to quench their thirst. We go to the governments of our planet and we ask for qualities of leadership that make people feel safe and cared about, including benevolence, compassion, courage, vision, integrity, and ethics. We go to interventions and we ask that our planet can be protected from nuclear weapons going off. We ask for transmutation of toxic substances in food, water, air, and medicine. Finally, we go to ourselves and we are asking, but we're also part of it. And we all need our own connections to stay open, functional, and loving on this planet. So we see those light forces we've talked about moving through the universe, moving through our solar system, and coming down on our rooftop, where we can invite those energies into our home, release them, and transmute any negativity. We bring those energies down into our own body, through our chakra system, opening up our chakras, breaking down barriers, healing us, activating our DNA. We remind you that you're each an aspect of the one infinite creator, temporarily experiencing these bodies on planet Earth. And we're going to bring the verbal part of this call to an end and Leave the lines open for those of you that want to stay in silent connection to these energies. And we thank you all for participating in this. And we have the phone numbers for all of our calls on the spiritchannel.net, as well as the recordings of 2,000 of our sessions, not this one, but sessions where we talk to our sources, 
um, they're amazing. And um, you're welcome to come back as much as you want. Thespiritchannel.net. Thespiritchannel.net. And we will see you next time. This session is no longer being recorded.